it takes time to truly understand people. So the more we talk, the more I realize how you are changing the world, one conversation at a time. This conversation that you and I just said, it will echo in my, in my heart and in my brain for quite some time because the type of questions that you ask, they really help other people access their potential. Try this bad boy emphasize. You are welcome to take a seat at the table where we use a new lens, where humanity are stakeholders. Different distinctions encouraged, intention starts from a no judgment zone. A certain age is not criteria and where you become comfortable with the uncomfortable to facilitate a new conversation. So, the new year has begun. How are you, my friend? Well, so-and-so, I would say. What um, so-and-so mean? <laughs> <laughs> if you are a father to a 20, well, almost two-year-old, um, there's always something, you know. So, um, okay, what's the what's the favorite thing that they're doing at the moment? Actually? Oh, building towers, block towers in all forms and shapes and kinds. It's the best thing. <laughs> Don't you love the fact though that you get to build these things out and you've got like there's no excuse. You're allowed to play. You're allowed to build. You're allowed to do some of those fun things that maybe you did when you were a kid, but you don't really do so much now. Absolutely. Um, it's the highlight of my day. I mean, when I, when I stop working, and um, so my office in the first floor of our home, when I go to the living room downstairs and he hears me coming down the stairs, he would already run to me and uh, pull me towards the blocks or to, uh, puts a book in my hand. So spending time with him is certainly the best thing that happens to me right now. I love that. That's awesome. See, those are the things that even though maybe you're not doing some of the other things that you might want to be doing right now, <laughs> who knows, those things. You know what? Having had six kids and still got six kids and now the three grandbabies, I get to do those kind of things and really love it. And all, all I can say to you is good on you and it's a journey and enjoy every moment of those oh, things I do. right I do. now. Sometimes because even they the don't rough last nights. forever. That's right. <laughs> and by the way, those rough nights continue. Doesn't matter how old they are. It's just a different level. But that's another story. <laughs> anyway, what I love about the decision table, and you're the first person because I am literally been in a cocoon over this last little while. I don't know about you, but I know in leadership. Last year, there was a lot of serving and a lot of giving back into leaders. And my tank got a little empty by the end of the year. How did you feel? Uh, and, and what were you seeing in the work that you're doing? I think I felt similar feelings during the year. Um, towards the yeah. end of the year, my tank got refilled a little bit. Um, and I think because I put so much time into talking to um, amazing people around the world, preparing for my next business event. And just by talking and listening to these people and asking them questions, the amount of, of knowledge that they shared with me was just outstanding in terms of learning for me. And I think learning for me is always something that gives me energy. It doesn't take energy away from me. Mm. So I think towards the end of the year, especially in 
late November until leading up to the Christmas to the holiday season, that was an amazing time for me. Um, but I, I totally hear you. I, I, I had this. I had a similar um, feeling over the past um, 12 months. Yeah, and I think one of the things that I've taken from that learning is that we really need to expand our tank and to fill it up even more so that we have an overflow to give yeah. out from. Yeah. How do you refill? Like, obviously, learning from others, that's one way. And I love that, by the way. It's one of my refills, and it's something I actually really miss by the fact that I'm not traveling was that I was able to be hanging out in amazing places with just awesome humans doing amazing things. And I have to say, being on the ground and doing it with, there's nothing, like I miss that piece. Yes, I can imagine. How do you refuel? A lot of the things that help me refuel aren't possible right now or not to the extent that I wish. We don't want to hear Um, that bit. It's about. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. T- typically, I would Sorry. refuel by just talking to friends, meeting friends, meeting family. Yeah. Um, right now, this is a, a little tricky. First of all, they live on the other side of the Atlantic Ocean, so I live in Vancouver. Ah. They live in most of them live in Europe. I have my my uh, Canadian family here, and we enjoy every moment together. So that gives me a lot of energy. So my son's birthday is coming up, for example. So oh, that will be a great opportunity to meet family and friends. It's February and February in Vancouver. It's January, sorry, and and that time of the year. You moved ahead already. I'm, I'm already somewhere else. <laughs> I love it's it. It's nasty weather-wise. Mm. So one of the things that I truly enjoy doing isn't possible right now. It is possible, but it's no fun. Is riding my motorcycle, just oh. being out there, um, not not on the highway or anything. Just really those small, tiny roads through the woods. I, I ride with an open helmet, mm. so. I don't ride fast. I just smell and breathe the air and the mm. fresh nature. And some people would be like, yeah, then take a bicycle. That's even better for you. Yeah, they are right. But that's not the fun that I grew up with. So I got to keep true to myself. <laughs> I love that. And I think we do have to keep true to ourselves. And I think that that is one of the things that if we're not careful in the chaos and the noise, that we actually are not staying true to ourselves. And we need to keep asking our questions, you know, these questions of what are what does refuel me? What helps me to keep filling that tank? And and I think that that's one thing that I'm saying to a lot of leaders even right now is, hey, how are you filling that tank? What does it do? Is it reading a book? Is it taking, and it doesn't need to take a long time, by the way. It might be just getting on that bike and going for a 30-minute ride. But that 30 Honestly minutes. Honestly speaking, it's not, it's not that much more. Um, all I can do yeah. is maybe an hour. But that's already so fulfilling. And it, it just pulls me out of everything else because when you're on the bike, you need to be on the bike. You can't think of other yeah. things. You need to be aware of what's happening in front of you, for example. Okay, so on the back end of that, you go, you get out on the bike, you breathe in that fresh air, you feel good. How does that help with, say, things like productivity, what you're doing? Because I think this is sometimes the difficulty, is that some of these things that we know are so important don't always have indicators that go, you're going to get the next five sales because you went and did this. And so we ignore them. I know that without taking those breaks, and I've been there often enough, my productivity my productivity just goes down the drain over the day, during the day. It's just too much. 
So I need mm. those breaks and I consciously build them into my day. I used to get up very late, so pre having a family, um, and I used to work a lot and I used to work late. So 12, 14 hour days, no problem at all. And I, when, when everyone else would get tired, I would start like getting my second energy booster and go until 10 p.m. or so. But this is something that I don't do anymore. And I realize oh. that it's actually really good for me because productivity has two sides for me. On the one hand, on the one side of that coin, productivity is a positive thing. You get a lot of work done, important work, urgent work, you get it done. And the other side of that coin is just being stupid, productive, stupid, busy, <laughs> which is often what I found myself in, like tweaking yeah. just a tiny little comma in a, in a text that I wrote um, for the third time and, and, and overthinking it. And I got rid of that, mm. let's say, stupid, busy and taking those breaks consciously, getting out there, having a break even getting on a treadmill for half an hour, just mm. switching off helps me to refocus and to ask myself, is that really important? Is that really the best use of my time? Yeah. So intentional breaks are something that I never did, which I always kind of even ridiculed at some point in my life. <laughs> but I realized that I'm not getting younger in a way that um, I, I don't have that energy that I used to have as a 25-year-old just because I was young. Mm. I need at to maintain 26, At 26, it's not quite the same, isn't exactly. that right? <laughs> yeah. So I need to maintain my energy levels and those breaks, they help me. Yeah. Why do you think you ridicule? Where did that come from? Um, I believe that when I was younger, I, I didn't realize, of course, what I didn't know. So... Mm judging based on my knowledge and based on my let's say own energy levels which were extremely high at that time I was very very active very sporty so I was always pumped the whole day um, I listened uh, and still do a lot of music so I, I always fired myself up in the morning and um, kept going just because I could it went to a degree that at some point in, in my life I, I even realized that I kind of ridiculed the priorities that people made in mm. their lives, spending more time with family and friends than I did, um, pursuing a time intense hobby, for example, which I didn't. And all these, all these things, they came from a, from a place of just having a closed mindset and not trying to understand what, what might be important to other people. Um, I mean, fast forward, 20 years we are where we are right now obviously I take a look at life differently just based on where I am right now but also based on having been curious and, and having tried to be a learner over the past 10-15 years and trying to understand better what's on the other side of the table understanding based on, a, on curiosity what drives people what, what makes them decide the way they decide in certain situations. Isn't it, isn't it interesting because you've chosen to do it in a different way and go, even though that was kind of the way that I grew up, the, what I knew at that time in life, now that you know differently, you're choosing to do something different. And it becomes 
other people's priorities become yours to be curious about. Where was that transition? What happened for you to be able to get to that moment? Because here's the thing. There's a lot of us that know there's problems. There's a lot of us that know we want solutions. But actually moving from problem to solution and narrowing that gap is not always done, as we know, and it's not an easy journey, as we know as well. So why did you choose not to let that define the direction in which you are today, what you do, and where you go in life? I believe part of it wasn't even a conscious decision. It's just Hmm. growing up and learning as you go and realizing that your own priorities might shift in life. And then asking yourself, hmm, interesting, I never thought that would be a priority in my life at some point in time, but it is. So, and, and another part was a conscious decision, and it was often triggered by, by feedback um, from coworkers, uh, from, from my boss, from people around me that I cared about and, and their opinion. So when, when I heard patterns over a period of several years, that make me feel like, hmm, I should better listen to those people. There is something in there for me. There is learning in it for me. I just need to make space to explore it. Um, that became a, and that circles back to the beginning of our conversation, that became a source of inspiration, a source of energy for me. Mm-hmm. I realized that there's this whole other Alex inside me that I have kind of a huge reservoir of energy that I can tap into but I need to allow myself to go in that direction and to let go of that, let's say, some limiting beliefs and some limiting mindsets. Mm, interesting. And would you say that if you'd kept going down the other pathway that you wouldn't have, you know, bring the impact that you're bringing today? Oh, and for sure not. Because there's sure a curiosity not. that this has disrupted a pattern and now you're doing things that definitely wouldn't have happened if you'd remained there. I mean, that's 100% clear, yes. Might have touched on that person type of personality that I am today, like accidentally. I might, I might have stumbled across that at, at, mm. in, at some later point in time, but I believe everything takes time. Good things just take time. And um, I know that the type of work that I would be doing if just had I not opened those doors back then would probably be different. Isn't it interesting, though, because... We're often, especially in today's world, you know, I talk a lot about the old approach and new approach. And I think that part of the new approach is this curiosity for us to be curious, for us to be curious to ask questions, different questions, to have different people at the table. And yet there's quite a lot of pushback to a new approach because we're so used to Mm. doing it the same way, looking the same at the table and producing, you know, what everyone else is doing. And yet this is not necessarily bringing the solutions we're wanting across the globe. Where does this curiosity come into play in your workplace? For me personally, this is a conscious decision about the type of mindset that I want to be Mm. working in my brain while I work. So... I just finished writing a piece on, on mindsetting and it has four key components. Um, if, if I'm able to put myself into a mindset of 
speed over perfection of abundance over scarcity of growth over fixed mindset of um i call it the joy of missing out over the fear of missing out if i if i get that into my system in the morning when i start working i can just produce so much better output in and doesn't matter what it is in the end um, whether it's writing an article, whether it's creating a new product for clients, whether it's just conversations that I have with people, it's totally different. If I allow myself to be in that mental space rather than in, in a space where I used to be, where I saw resources as something finite, where mm. I saw success as something finite. If another person has success, there is not enough left for me. If I allow myself not to have these thoughts and rather focus on the next logic step and how can I include people, what do I not know? When I ask these types of questions, just it just flows towards me rather than pushing it away from me. I don't know if you know what I mean, Kira Marie. Does that make sense? Well, I'm I never assume anything. So tell me more about what you mean in that way. So when, when your initial question is, your initial question was, if I understood that correctly, is how does that help me in my, in my workspace today? Hmm. Or oh, you see it in the workplace. By the way, I forgot to say to you, but I really want to make it really clear that when I ask a question, I'm not expecting any certain answer. I'm asking because I'm curious. I want to know what that means for you. <laughs> so, uh, you know, there is no right or wrong. And, and that is the space that this, the decision table is really created for, is for us to be asking these questions. Because here's the thing, if you and I are asking these questions with each other, it's probably someone else out there asking that question. So tell me more about the flow and, and what you were talking about there. So I see this type of mindset as kind of the, the fuel for what I do. Whenever I, tr I help a client, Whenever um, I create something, I ask myself, what, what would be helpful for me at this point in time? Mm. What do I need in terms of um, resources, in terms of space around me? Um, do I stay at my desk or do I just change position, change the setting in which I, in which I work? And, yeah. and sometimes it's, it's very small and, and simple things. And, and other times I realize that I'm just not in the right space or that I mm. need someone to work with me on this topic. Um, I work a lot alone. Like physically yes. speaking, like I many. always like work many. alone. I yeah. sit in my office, but most of the time I am on, the, uh, on a meeting with someone somewhere in mm. the world. And this co-creation process is so extremely important for me because I do not have the right answers for everything. Hmm. I sometimes have a good question, I never would have answer. thought of that of you, Alex. I thought you See? would know everything. <laughs> I mean, you can assume that a guy like me with 20 years of experience in a certain field has an idea about the things that they, they talk about. And I would consider myself a fairly proficient expert in what I do. But the thing is, yeah. the more I dig into a topic, the more I realize how much I don't know. And I think we've all experienced that. When we yeah. are young... We have little knowledge and we believe we know the things. Yes. The older we grow, the more we learn, the more we realize that, well, there is 
even more knowledge out there that we don't have access to right now that we have not kind of put into our system yet. Let me put it that way. So when I, when I co-create with other people, the sum is always more than just adding two pieces. The result is more than the sum of those single pieces. Mm, I love that. And, and, and this is when, when you talk about new system, what I understand is exactly that this co-creation process, this, curiosity exploration something that that you do because you don't know you don't do something because you know everyone can do that and a lot of people do that and it's it's what happens in so many boardrooms that people sit together and the one with the loudest voice wins wins or the people with the most seniority wins the argument people don't always just from a can, can I stop you on that one? Because I really want to not miss out on that little piece of gold. And I think this has been an interesting, from my experience as well, that I've actually had, and, I, and, and it's the expert come up to me, the guru, the one that's meant to have all the knowledge, whatever it is. And they've come up to me and gone to me, literally to my face, and said, why did you not speak up more at the table? And the interesting thing was because I felt that every time it was the same person trying to speak up, they were clashing against everyone else. No one was listening to each other anyway. And so what was the point of adding to the noise? Now, I'm really happy to add my value when I'm given the space to be listened to. And then I'm really happy to listen to others and then look at what we can do with what we now have as data at the table. But I don't think as a society we're really good at doing this. And I mm-hmm. think that, you know, this has been something that has and, and almost feels uncomfortable because the expert or the one that's meant to have it all and know it all comes to the table and almost has to speak at rather than speak with. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's interesting. I, I want to just go to the comments. There's a question in there from Jason. And he said, what happens when you ask questions to experts, people with loads of experience? And I think that this is what I'm trying to say is that as long as we answer to what that expert is expecting us to answer to that question or wanting us to be saying or why they're asking that question, then we have a voice at the table. But sometimes when we're actually being curious, inquiring, maybe thinking, what is it they're actually trying to say behind that that maybe I don't understand yet but I'd love to know more? And we ask from a place of that. What do you think? What happens when you ask questions to experts? I think there is an underlying um, element of value that we need to just be careful and, and mindful about. So when I ask a question to an expert, what I want is value. So mm-hmm. that means if I ask a question from a position of curiosity, I want to learn something. I want to receive value. If I ask a question to reconfirm my own opinion, then I don't want value. I want reconfirmation. And that is the question is, what is it that you ask of that expert? If you ask an expert for his opinion or her opinion based on their experience and their knowledge, 
then you better be open to learning something and to hearing something that might not be in line with your belief systems or with your own opinion at this point in time. Um, recognizing an expert is not necessarily something that requires you to accept that this person is an expert. Um, you know what I mean? It's, Great thought. Yeah. Tell me when, more about what you're thinking in that. When I, when I talk to, to experts, and, and I talk a lot to experts, I talk a lot to people that are really masters of their crafts, and the only thing I can do is accept that they are a master of their craft just because I don't understand what they are saying or that I don't necessarily agree with what they are saying. As long as they're not coloring their opinion or their, ex their experience with a political agenda, for example, as long as what they share with me is mm. based on science, on facts and on, let's say, on truth, then I can accept what these people say, whether I believe it or not, whether I buy into it or not. It's a completely All right, we're getting element. into the juicy bits now. So here's the thing. When there is a truth, it is a truth to you. It is proven to you, but it may not be proven to me. So how do we start listening to each other, even if it's not a truth to me, And maybe it's not part of my belief system. Maybe it's not part of even my value system. But there might be something if I'm willing to listen, there may be some insight I can take. There may, and the other thing that I've found when we have had conversations like this, that I'm not necessarily going to agree with you, but it makes me stand even stronger in what I do believe. And I know why I believe that even more. This is great. And it sounds so beautiful and you're willing to do that and so am I. And because of it, we have these conversations. Let's pull it out to a bigger space and go, how do we have these conversations with more people? And this becomes more comfortable to have the uncomfortable conversation. Let me answer that and, and separate two things here. Um, so the first, the first part of my answer will be about the topic of truth. And the mm -hmm. second part will answer your question, how can we involve more people and how can we ask more questions in that direction? So when I use the term truth, I, I don't mean you can have a different truth than I have. That's perspective. That's not truth. Truth is for me a synonym for facts, scientifically proven facts, without politics, mm -hmm. without Religion without belief systems, one and one is two. That is a truth and a fact, and that won't change. That's what I mean when I, when I use this term facts. And if you live in North America, um, especially um, during the presidency of Donald Trump, there was a term called alternative facts. And th there are no alternative facts. A fact is a fact because it is a fact. It can be alternative if you know what I mean. So that, that's what I mean when I, when I, when I say truth and facts. But if it's a facts. truth to me, how is that not a fact that is a truth in my life, even if it's not in yours? It can't be. A, 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 a truth is and a fact is that we live on the planet Earth, that this thing is round, sure. that it sits in a galaxy, and that our solar, our star is called the sun. 
those are facts. Those are truths. Um, the things that, that you are referring to, uh, Kirimiri, they are perspectives based on knowledge that is accessible for me and based on yeah. belief systems and then things like that. And we, we cannot argue about truth. Truth is unarguable. We can argue about perception and about um, perspectives. And, and that brings me to the second part of my answer. I believe that most of the issues that we have in, 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 today's, in today's society and in, in many aspects of our lives is that we misconceive or per, misperceive, if that's an English word. Um, I don't know, but I'm liking it. A perspective Bring it for a truth or for mm -hmm. a fact. And we so strongly believe that our perspectives and our belief systems are the truth that we can't possibly understand that someone else does not see it. That's where mm -hmm. all the anger comes from. That's where all the fights come from, the struggles come from. And the only, the only way through that is by building bridges, by, by asking ourselves, what do I not know? How can I better understand the other person's perspective? Because apparently we are looking at the same topic from perspectives that are so different that we get into a fight with each other. Let's, I mean, very simple example. If I write the number six on a piece of paper and put it on the floor and you stand opposite of me, yeah. this is not the number six for you. It's the number nine for you. We're looking at the same piece of paper with something written on it. It is only perspective. So if I want to better understand how can I create a bigger conversation about the things that truly matter in life, then I need to be able to put myself into other people's shoes to change perspective and to see the world through their eyes. And that requires a, an unlearning of what I think I know. Because if I keep that in mind, I cannot truly put myself into your shoes and step into your world. But only if I do that, I can develop um, understanding, compassion, feelings that, that, that are helping me to become you in a certain way, to, to see the world through your eyes. If I'm able to see the world through your eyes, I all of a sudden realize that you are not the enemy. I can discuss with you. We can, we can strong discussions, but you're still in the end exactly the same. You are a person with a mindset. You're a person with a belief system. You're a person with your own experiences, pains, strengths, dreams, hopes, and fears. And if I dare to become that person only in this conversation in order to understand you better, I can help us build a bridge between supposedly very different perspectives. Mm. I'm just thinking about what you're saying. I, I, I don't know where I stand when it comes to fact perspective. By the way, I've not looked at it in this way, so hence the moment to think about it before I speak. But I do question because, and I wonder, is it because that we don't know what is fact versus perspective that we are having these challenges across the globe? That's one concept that I'm thinking. But then I also go in, when does it become not just a perspective, but I know that this is a fact if you do it. If we go back to a really, you know, tangible concept 
which we talked about earlier, which was productivity. I know that when I do my gratefulness in the morning, when I do my movement and go for a walk, when I eat properly, my brain is functioning at a much higher level than when I don't do those three things. That means then that my productivity goes sky high. It really does. When I have that as consistent, habitual things that I put in place, that's facts. Not just my perspective, it's facts. Because I look at my sleep measurements, I look at my blood levels, I look at, uh, you know, different, say, where my body is in composition. And that tells me that that data is not just a perspective, it's actually being really beneficial to my overall. That doesn't mean that that's a truth or a fact to you. And in that way, then that becomes my perspective. So how do we get from a perspective to being a fact that will actually help you and maybe you might even come on board with it even though it's new and different thinking? I think it's a brilliant example because it allows me to explain the difference between a fact for you as an individual versus the fact for a society or for us as humankind. Mm -hmm. So what you just explained with productivity and those habits, you see it in the data. It is a fact for you. It is a truth for you. Now, mm -hmm. this is wonderful and really good for you. If you would now stand up and say, I found the secret to productivity increase. You just do this, this, and this, those three things, and they will for sure proven fact help you everyone on this planet to get higher productivity i would be like i'm not sure about that but i would give it a try so i give it a try i realize it's not working not for me mm. that's totally fine it will still be true for you it is just not true for me so it's not a universal truth it's a tr an individual truth a, a universal truth would be the sun comes up in the morning, unless you live in the Northern Hemisphere and it's <laughs> And then it doesn't. <laughs> and then it doesn't. So it's, it's, I believe that we can always find people that try to sell us on individual facts, on their perspectives mm -hmm. as truth, as universal truth. And this is where things become dangerous because they only look at their corner of the sandbox and think they have seen the world, they understand everything, and they stop learning, they stop exploring, they're not curious anymore. They believe what they see, and then they try to impose it on everyone else, and this is where shit happens. <laughs> if people try to impose their thinking on mm -hmm. everybody else, then we get into into trouble let me put it that way a hundred percent agree on that yeah so maybe it comes back to how we are communicating and even the words we're using in the old way are those words serving us if we have a new approach and maybe we need to question it more for sure questions are maybe. always a good way to explore and that again goes back to curiosity yeah so here's the thing. You say you help others to have real impact. What is real impact? 
<laughs> Impact is changing what you can change hmm. to a better place, bring it to a, a, a new state. Um, that can be your family. You can have a positive impact on your family or you can have a negative impact on your family. It can be the community you operate in, um, the, the, the church, the sports team, the political party you, you um, are a part of an influence. Um, when I talk about impact, I often talk about impact on society as a whole, the big ideas that help us just level up as human beings and accept that we are far from being perfect and we can do so much more and we don't have to do so much more. We have to just do a bit more. Um, every generation does their piece. And I just hope that our generation will add their piece, not to the detriment of the planet of humankind, but to make it a, a more livable um, space. And when I talk about impact, I often also talk about social impact and environmental impact. Those are the things that truly matter to me. Yeah. Why do they truly matter to you? The environment and, and having an impact on the environment always mattered to me, I think, because mm -hmm. I grew up um, in the countryside and I saw what, what, what can happen if you let the wrong people take the wrong decisions. So they destroy habitat for profit um, on such a large scale that it is not just a side note, but that it's a major negative impact on ecosystems. So I think my mom had, a, had quite a role in that as well to help my brother and I see the world through various glasses and yeah. um, especially having that nature goggles on and asking, do we really need this highway or yeah. can we just use, you know, the old highway um, <laughs> that's right next to it and we'll be there forever. So it's, it's those types of questions And if, if I bring it into our world right now, yeah. do we need this Trans Mountain Pipeline here in Canada? Do we need another um, shipping route oh, right. um, through habitat where we know um, whales are, have, have their breeding grounds and, and things wow. like that? It's just, it's those things. Do we just need that two, three, five percent more profit and destroy yeah. natural resources on the other hand that we will never get back most likely? And then obviously when it comes to social impact, building safer workplaces, that's, yeah. that's what really matters to me. Building businesses that are not just for profit, but also force for good yes. and profitable at the same time. You know, those are the things that really matter. Yes. Here's, here's the other thing that I think is just amazing is that you say all of us can do our little bit and our little bit just adds flavor to bring that difference, to bring that impact. And I think that's what you're doing with the amazing summit that you're bringing up. So tell us what is the summit about and why do people need to get there and be a part of it? So the event is called Legacy. And, and this ties into what we just talked about. What is the legacy that I as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, as a corporate leader want to leave behind? And not when I die, but just when I move on to my next venture. You know what I mean? So I, I talk about living legacy, not the legacy being the big bank account or the big house that you hand over to the next generation or how people might talk about you once you've passed. I, I talk about 
using business as a force for good, doing well while doing the right things. And um, the event is three days, first, second, and third of February. And it's, it's, it's all about how can we, first of all, use businesses as an impact driver, um, both in a social and in an environmental uh, context. Um, we have amazing people talking on this first day on February the 1st from Harvard Business School professor um, Felix Oberholzergi. Well, he talks on day two. Sorry about that. So he talks on day two about value creation and value capture. Um, on day one, let's stay on day one. We talk all things using a business as a force for good. So we, for example, talk to um, Lasse Gustafsson, the CEO of OceanWise. We talk about how he became an environmentalist and how he sees the next generation of environmental activists being not, not necessarily in the for impact space, but um, as, as he would say, they are smart enough to make money and do the right thing. So <laughs> we, we talk about all these things. Um, on day two, already mentioned Felix Oberholzer, um, we talk all things profit. So how do you actually build a business for profit? And why do we need that? because it allows us to do the right things in the way. If we have to think about putting food on our tables every day, we need to make sure we get the money in no matter what. But if we have profitable businesses, it allows us to have this separate space in our head where we ask ourselves, and now what? What do we do with these profits? How can we leverage our companies as a force for good? And then on day three, we talk all things entrepreneurs and business owners. We talk about us, about productivity, about mental health, about physical health and how these important topics are often being neglected and why we should not neglect them in order to stay in the game for the long run. Yeah. What's your biggest takeaway from, from having all these conversations with amazing people? Yeah, important point that you make. So I, I pre-recorded all these conversations. They have 45 mm. sessions over three days. Um, and you, you can have access to these sessions. So even if you can't make it 1st, 2nd, and 3rd February, still sign up, secure your seat, because it gives you the option to get your hands onto the recordings. The biggest learning for me recording those sessions, well, there was one of, on the meta level, which mm. was, I need to do this more often. This is a <laughs> lot of fun to talk to so many amazing people and learn from them. Mm. And then um, like content-wise, there is so much gold in this. I, every conversation that I had was something where I went like, huh, I never thought about this. Yeah. And I, I, couldn't, I couldn't pull out one or two highlights. There are so many. Um, I think the biggest highlight for me overall is that this is a truly global event. We have people yeah. from Singapore, from South Africa, from Australia, from Europe, from the Americas. It's just amazing to see mm. how people rallied around this event. And I believe what made them rally around in the first place was that they saw that this in itself, this event in itself is creating a ripple effect. It's not a for-profit event. So first of all, free seats are free. Everyone can register and join for free. And then there are bonus packages that you can purchase. And mm. all the money that we make with these pack packages, they actually go one-on-one -on -one to environmental protection causes and to childhood brain cancer research. Those are the two causes that I personally support through my business. Mm. We're not running these events to make money. We're running these events to bring people together. And if we make money with it, we give it to causes we believe in.
where did that come from? Like why, why are you not making money from it or why is it around that? And, and will people come to it? if it's pre-recorded not like where's that thinking I, I i i always get really interested to the different structures in which people are choosing right now especially in this season and in what we're seeing across the globe so one of the reasons why we uh, decided not to go for a live event is that mm-hmm. from a technical perspective running 45 live sessions is basically a nightmare how do you want to do this you can't it do is this. You, i you i can't. concur but it's doable but i concur <laughs> Because these sessions aren't just people talking. These are real conversations between me and that person. Mm. So I couldn't do 15 in a day. Um, Oh, you could. You just might not be very alive at the end of the day. Yeah, right. (laughs) So recording all these sessions gives us an opportunity to create this event over a longer Mm. period of time to make sure the quality is what it should be. Another element is um, if we run it live, we basically rob half of the planet of the opportunity to participate because it's night where they are. So when those mm-hmm. sessions air, um, I want to make sure that everyone, irregardless of where they sit on the planet, they have 24 hours to watch the sessions they are interested in and have fun with them. If they want to have access for a longer period of time, they can always get their hands on the recordings and, and, and help us support the causes that we support. Yeah. And um the question, your question was, where, where did, did, did it initially come from? Why do I do this? Mm. Why don't I want to make money with it? Well, I am all about making money. I'm, all, I'm running a, profit, a profitable business, but I, do, um, I make profit of different products and services. So mm. I'm not a professional event organizer, let me put it that way. And I know that I can use these events for more than just for profit. So yeah. by talking about these these truly important topics for myself and by raising the awareness about the necessity to, to cure terminal childhood brain cancer um, and, and other rare diseases, I help those that need help. And by helping raise money for environmental protection agencies, I also do something that is truly in line with what I believe in, but my business doesn't really help me. Uh, my education mm-hmm. doesn't really help me to support environmental protection causes other than through my business as I do it right now. Unfortunately, I'm not a medical doctor. I can't cure <laughs> brain cancer. And unfortunately, I have no idea about environmental law or anything else that could help me um, further the environmental agenda. So yeah. it's my way of giving, giving back and, and helping those that I feel need support. I really love this and, I, and I'll tell you why I really love it is because with the leaders movement, what we're doing around that is going, our indicators are how many intentional conversations are you having? And so what I love about this is you're having lots of conversations with many awesome humans and I think that brings hope to the future for for leadership and and for the human race in general. And then you're using the other indicator which we have is platform. You know, what platform or how are you using your platform to intentionally be part of the solution, the sustainable solution? And what I love about that is even though this is not your everyday job, everyday thing that you focus in on, you've got a platform you can use and you're creating 
to do your 1%, which is what is the one thing that you're going to do to sort of shift the dial forward? And I feel like this is your 1% that you're doing. And I love that. And I think that's what's exciting is when, like you said earlier, that we can't do it all. And you're not the doctor, but there are people that are the doctors. You're not the one that knows in the medical field that maybe will have that breakthrough or that scientist, but that's okay. What you do have is you've got a connections and you can bring those connections together to create a platform of awareness. And I think that in a world where the problem to solution feels like it's widening, that it becomes very simple and we have to bring it back to simplicity of going, what are the, what is my platform? How can I give voice to that? And then how am I going to have conversations that could maybe be part of that solution and, and, and own something from that to be the change and make the shifts that we're wanting to see moving forward? And I think where it becomes such a big thing that now brings it back to a very doable thing. So kudos to you for creating this platform, to being willing to have conversations and and to put this together because I think in a world where it feels like there's a lot of noise, it's not always easy. And I know the time because I have my own uh, forum, the Global Human Intelligence Forum, that it takes time to put it together. It takes time to make sure that you've got the right people having the right conversations and and the platform is safe for people to be able to, you know, take from it, own what they need to, to be bringing the shifts that we're wanting to see. And so kudos to you for that. And uh, I know... Um, I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, learning from others that are on there and, uh, and seeing and uh, what, what comes from that. So I'm pretty excited to see that unfold. And I know we will, wherever we're putting this out to, we will make sure that the link will be in there as well so that anyone that wants to can come and be a part of that. Now, there's one thing I do at the end of all of the decision tables, that is the one thing that we do the same. And everything else, we just go with a flow like a conversation as if you're sitting at my table and we're having a coffee or a drink of water or whatever it is. And that might be even a bit more potent, who knows. And, you know, the one thing that I do ask at the end of the decision table while we're closing up is what's one thing you're taking from our conversation today? When I first talked to you, and I want to thank you for supporting um, Legacy, Kiri Marie, um, you're one of the persons that truly stand out in, in their conviction and in, in what, they, what they put into the world. I was very glad that you became a conversation guest um, on the event. And when we first met, <laughs> you might remember this conversation. Um, we had a video conversation. You were sitting there um, completely casual, and you, you, I do led, remember this. You led into the conversation like you did not put on your your um, your, your official uh, clothing, kind of something like that was your intro. And I was like, huh, that already makes her different. That's kind of cool. And and I think if if I the one thing that I take from our conversation today is that it takes time to truly 
understand people. So mm-hmm. when, when you and I, this is now our, our third conversation that we have, um, the more we talk, the more I realize um, how you are changing the world, one conversation at a time. And I think it, this conversation that you and I just had, it will echo in my, in my heart and in my brain for quite some time because the type of questions that you ask, they really help other people um, access their potential. And it helped me formulate some of the things that I have not formulated in that way before. Thank you very mm. much for that. I love that. And I think, and, and thank you for your honesty and, and your connection in the conversation. What I love about what we've just said there or what you just said is going back to you don't know what you don't know. But I think when we do know, we have to take some ownership of whatever that is that we want to from what we know. And that's why I asked that question because I think, you know, as part of this new approach is that we are to evolve. And part of that is having this curiosity within a conversation that maybe we don't have it all sorted and maybe we are hearing different facts or different perspectives or different thinkings or insights or mindsets or whatever it is, belief system, value systems, and maybe by the end of this that we can now know a little more and be able to take that into what we do. And so I'm reminded of the importance of always being willing to keep having conversations with people that might look or sound different to what I do. And I remember that. And I honestly, I remember when I got onto the next call and you said to me, wow, you look really different. And I was like, what does he mean I look really different? And (laughs) I got it in the one way. But I also go, why does that seem so important that we have to look a certain way, we have to sound a certain way? And that actually sent off some things for me going, what is it I'm wanting them to think or feel? And I think that that's important too. And... You know, I love the fact that we've had this conversation today because I got over my thinking on that, my biases I took from that. And I was able to connect with you and just see some of the thinking that you you have, which is I, I love the fact that you brought up the whole perspective, facts, because I think in the way that we communicate, I think it is a fact when I see things even if it's my perspective and maybe not a universal fact that you see. And yet maybe it is a universal fact if we got all the data and everyone started tracking it. Who knows? (laughs) And I think that's what I love about our conversation is that it makes me more curious to find out more facts and to get it as a universal fact across the table. And I think that's what we, you know, when I talk about this thing called the muscle of human intelligence, it's about us being able to gather different data and to be able to use that data and then go, how are we going to then put that into action? What are we going to do now we have that data? And I thank you for our conversation because I feel like I've got more data that I can process with and do something with. So... 
I'm going to almost end the broadcast, but I just want to give you one last chance to go if there's anything that I haven't asked you or that you felt that you wanted to share on this conversation today, what is that? I don't think there is anything left. I'm super grateful for having had this conversation, for having had the opportunity together with you to explore some of those questions. Mm -hmm. um, we shared where people can find more about the legacy event. Yes. Um, if you if you are more the um, audio type rather than the, the reading visual type, just go to alexthestrategist.com. You will find the event right there on the landing page. Fantastic. I'm going to end this broadcast, but don't you run away quite yet. Amazing droplets of wisdom for you from today's episode. Make sure you subscribe, ensure you leave an awesome rating and review. Our hope is this podcast creates a new awareness, activates ownership to what is next, a curiosity for the need to be part of the change, and to make footsteps of sustainability from today onwards. If you want to further your journey with us, then apply to join us at our next Leaders Movement Parlay. The link is in the show notes. We appreciate you. Help us to help build a tribe who make humanity as stakeholders. To achieve this together, recommend this podcast to leaders, innovators, and movement changers. Big love until we see you on the next Decision Table Series podcast episode.